Welcome to the True Masculine Project. My name is Eric. I'm your host and fellow student on the path of masculinity. On this show, we will discuss personal development and masculine principles so we can be the best men that we can be. If you are new to the show, welcome, and you may want to head on over to the intro episode. Uh, describes the format and a little bit more about what we want to cover here. And for the rest of us, on to the show. Yo, and welcome to the show. On today's episode, we start the book review of The Like Switch, an ex-FBI's agent guide to influencing attracting and winning people over. I just started this after hearing an interview on the Jordan Harbinger podcast, and it was so interesting to me that I felt the need to get it. And I love the body language and influence type books, especially when it comes from someone whose job it was to turn spies and what the actual process is of building friendships to prove to people that one, these skills can be learned and two, people actually use them in high stakes settings so that if they work for them, they should work for you. Between masculinity, old school type stories like Iron John and this type of behavioral change that you can do to make your life better, uh, those are my two favorite topics. So we're gonna dive into this one. Let's get started. Okay, so I've said it before, and I'll say it again before we start this episode, and I'll continue to harp on these type of skills until I am blue in the face. It is not what you know, it is who you know, and who you know involves your ability to expand your social circle, purposely make connections, and then maintain those connections. And frankly, even if you and somebody else are just as good, technically speaking, the person who gets along better with others is just going to have an easier time in life. You can't fight the tribal nature of people. You just got to lean into the skids. So the book opens with two pretty interesting stories. One about him winning over a spy that they caught who wouldn't talk to him. Two, some friends of someone who had previously been through his course. He used to teach behavioral studies as part of the FBI, part of the BAU, aka the same people from Criminal Minds, although it sounded like he had a different task than catching serial killers. And then three, there was one about turning a diplomat into a spy who would work for the United States. Uh, The book itself also has some nicely done PDFs that illustrate what some of the facial expressions that I'm going to try to describe here actually look like so you can feel the difference. Um, of how one looks versus the other. And if you're interested in more in-depth parts of the story, then I suggest you grab the physical and or audio book. So the friendship formula itself, and I've never heard this detailed like this anywhere else before, and I thought this was brilliant, is that it's proximity, frequency, duration, and intensity. So obviously proximity promotes likability even if no words are exchanged. You have to be near someone in order for you to build a connection of some sort. Now you can substitute digital proximity, kind of, but if they don't know you exist, it's not possible to build a connection. Now we will come back to the friend-foe continuum here in a second, but he notes here, and I've said this before, that the proximity, you being the general area of the people that you're trying to get to know, 
that proximity must be done in a non-threatening manner. Otherwise, you trigger people's flight or fight responses. And all of these things happen subconsciously, but the brain sort of scans the area around you to make sure that you keep yourself safe. Like I said, more to come on that in a second. The second part of the formula, intensity, is how strongly you are able to satisfy a person's psychological or physical needs using nonverbal and verbal methods. An example he gives here is curiosity. If you are able to pique people's interests, um, given something about you, this is hilarious because it reminds me of the old pickup community thing like wearing bright colors or crazy hats or the fucking electronic belt buckle because the things that make you stand out happen to pique people's curiosity, assuming that you are comfortable with dealing with the challenges you're going to receive from that sort of thing. Now, frequency seems pretty obvious. The more times you run into someone, the more times someone sees you, the easier it is for you to build a connection with that person. And the last one is duration. The more time you spend with someone, the more influence you have with that person. Now, they found that duration and frequency have an inverse relationship. So if you see someone a lot, you don't need to spend that much time with them to catch up, to maintain and build that connection. If you don't see, see someone very often, then you'll have to invest more time when you do see them in order to maintain that connection. And if you think about any time you've had friends come to visit, how much longer you have dinner with them versus people that you see often, then you probably have some examples in your personal life that you can draw upon here. So once again, proximity, frequency, duration, and intensity. They remark that if you have problems with a relationship and a spouse or a loved one and a girlfriend is pretty easy to notice, that one of these four things is the reasoning behind it. And you can use this as a guidepost for yourself to sort of modulate what you need to do. So if you see each other often, have high frequency, right? You live together, high proximity, but you have low intensity, then the connection in that relationship is going to die down. I think we need to come to terms with the fact that all relationships have conditions and that if you're going to be in a long-term monogamous relationship, then you're just going to actually have to date that person the entire time that y'all are together. Can't really slack, even if you have to sort of schedule it so that it's on a calendar and everybody's aware of it. If you do not make the time, the relationship itself will fall apart. Now, the a pretty cool thing I thought about these tools was that they could be also used in reverse. So if you want to extricate yourself from a relationship, but you don't want to do it in such a in your face manner, slowly dialing down the frequency or the duration or you being near that person or the intensity of dealing with them is going to cause them to sort of drift away on their own. Eventually they'll come to the conclusion that this they'll have to get their emotional needs met from somewhere else so you can just skate on out of a situation without it being too aggressive of an exit. And now a brief word from one of our sponsors, Audible. Hey, so we have all heard that knowledge is power. So if knowledge is power, access and the ability to digest that knowledge is a superpower. Uh, however, not all of us have time 
to sit and read at the end of the day in our busy lives full of hustle and bustle. We are always on the move and in the middle of working long hours, trying to get things done, working on side projects, or frankly, just taking care of yourself and your family. You may not have time to sit down and read. And that's why I love Audible. Audible allows you to take advantage of those transition moments like the gym, like your drive to work, like cooking, to install new knowledge that you did not have before to help take you from where you are now to where you want to be. There are thousands of titles available on Audible, including bestsellers like Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is Away, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, and others. Start your 30-day trial today and your first book is free. Go to audibletrial.com slash podcast to get started. That's audibletrial, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-L dot com slash true, T-R-U-E-M-P podcast. And now, back to the show. All right. Now, I thought this was really cool uh, because you see it in action, but here's someone who studied it and used it in person. Describe it is excellent and it's demonstrated in some of the stories they tell is the friend foe continuum so assuming you see someone that you don't have any info on and they're a stranger right you didn't hear any stories about them beforehand from nancy down the road people who pop up on our radar are based on friend neutral or foe signals and if you have a easy time or a hard time getting people to approach to talk to you or open up in conversations is probably because you, when you hit their territory scan, have been giving off neutral or faux signals even without you knowing that you were doing it instead of friendly signals. The popular person tends to be the one who gives off the most nonverbal friend signals that makes people feel at ease in the ability to have a conversation with them versus somebody who is carrying what he calls the urban scowl, a faux signal, which we'll get to. So the process in our minds that handles this is called the territory scan, according to the authors of the book here. And they explained it with a example about driving, because the vehicle you're in, you sort of understand that if something happens, it could be dangerous. So you extend your sort of sphere of influence what you feel like to be your body to the extent of the car and while you're driving you could drive the entire way and never really notice but if someone starts riding your fucking bumper you automatically notice them in your rearview mirror and that's because they have done something that signals foe to you and thusly it is popped onto the radar versus all of the neutral cars who might have been riding behind you forever but never encroached so closely into your space so an example of this is something that people rock a lot and he's got a story that goes along with this is what he calls the urban scowl and really it looks like resting bitch face or resting dick face in the case of the masculine here so the brows are kind of furrowed the jawline is very tense and in the pdfs you could look at it and you don't feel comfortable with this person and now you have to remember if this is how you showed up into a room and this was someone's first impression of you it's not when you walk up to them it's when you first become a blip on the radar and if you walk in angry mean mugging people uh, you've already put yourself into a hole and if you hear often 
that, man, I thought you were a douche or an ass before I got to know you, then I realized you were kind of cool. If that is a repetitive sort of theme in your life, that you are giving off faux body language, which is why it's so hard for you to meet new people and make new connections. So my dudes, we're talking about dating. You have to remember that the majority of us, the masculine, is larger than the majority of the feminine. You have some feminine dudes, and even those guys are larger than the masculine women that they would get along with well in a long-term relationship. So you don't want to give off danger signals because people do not have to give you a chance. They're just going to walk away and deal with someone who didn't set off their internal alarms. Now, he attributes a lot of the lack of nonverbal communication skills to just the reduction in face-to-face time that people have with one another. The majority of talking is now a text-type thing. We don't spend as much time, or at least the generation born shortly after me did not spend enough time outside. Like, when we got home, our mom basically booted us out, and you and the other fucking kids ran around until the streetlights came on, in which case your ass better be inside. So you spent a lot of time learning how to modulate your body language and reacting to other people than maybe the younger generation that came behind us. I am 34, uh, just for example's sake here. And maybe there's some truth to that. I had a lot of faux and please like me behaviors. It's ironic that you could do both of those things at the same time, but you can. Before I got into sort of men's work and how to fix this shit so that my life or the ability to pick up women, if we're being honest here, could be better. And if we're all being honest here, the ability to make friends and attract the opposite sex is high on the majority of men's priority lists. So to wrap this up, because people will see you before they hear you, your body language is crucial. Remember, we start at neutral on the friend-foe continuum, and if you want people to be open to speaking with you, then you want to submit friend signals, not neutral or foe signals. So let's go into the big three friend signals. And the first one is an eyebrow flash. And after we describe this here, you're going to notice that you do this a lot. So when you see someone, you can catch yourself doing this. Or the next time you see some people talk to each other at the start of the day in the office, you should watch about what happens when they greet each other in the morning. But the eyebrows sort of go up and then come back down as a way of signaling, I am not a threat. Now, Uh, He mentioned that if your eyebrows are held up too long, then this comes across as a foe signal and not a friend signal. But like whenever you make brief eye contact with a coworker, if you notice, you'll feel your eyebrows just sort of flash up for a second. And that is to show them that you are not a threat. That is the first of the big three friend signals. The second one is a head tilt. So the head tilt exposes the carotid artery and is a friend signal. People with their shoulders up, a.k.a. bad posture, are sending faux signals when meeting others. Also, both men and women find members of the opposite sex more attractive when they display the head tilt versus those who do not. Now, men, because we're more competitive and looking straight on all the time is seen as a dominant signal between men. And when you're going to interact with women or you're in a social non-competitive setting, 
you want to make friends, not dominate the room. And it's not like you have to do this giant thing where your head's leaning all the way off to one side at a 45 degree angle. It's just a slight turn. Again, the PDFs, if you're interested in what this looks like. Greatly, it's, it's night and day about what the men and the women they have demonstrate this look like, the friendliness versus straight on with a scowl. Um, this is also talked about in the book Captivate by Vanessa Van Edwards, which we've also talked about on this show. And to wrap up the head tilting, those who tilt their heads forward a little bit when listening to a person talking or at least leaning in that general direction seem more open, trustworthy, and friendly than those who do not. Now, you have to remember that whenever you're employing these things to seem more likable, that it's not like anyone's going to suddenly call you out on you doing it because this falls inside of the baseline of standard human behavior. So their subconscious brain is just going to translate this as, oh, this person is a friend, not a foe, open, friendly signals. No one thinks, oh man, you're smiling at me. That's a, you're just trying to influence me into liking you. Oh man, you're actually paying attention to me in a conversation. This motherfucker's trying to manipulate me. That does not happen. You never have to worry about someone realizing you are doing a thing. And as far as I'm concerned, as long as you have that person's best interests in mind, a little influence is just the game that we play. No harm, no foul. All right, so friend signal number one, eyebrow flash. Friend signal number two, the head tilt. Now there are a couple of minor friend signals that you also want to exhibit. Well, we'll get to that after the last major friend signal, which is a real smile. And yes, you can tell the difference. So a fake smile is just that one that you've been told to give at any sort of customer service thing where you just push the corners of your cheeks up and the eyes do not come with it. Everyone knows when it's a fake smile, you feel it internally and a fake smile is seen as inherently untrustworthy. It does not do you any good to give someone a fake smile. And if you need to practice it, then take a look at what a real smile with the eyes looks like in either this book or the Captivate book, and then go fucking look in the mirror and see what your smile looks like. Dude, the smile when you come into a venue versus wearing a mean mug was a game changer, and it seems so stupid. But if you've never seen yourself, like what you look like approaching people, trying to talk to people in a social setting, you don't know the feelings that you are giving off to other people. And there's a couple ways to get this. One is very uncomfortable, which is recording yourself talking to someone and then having to look at it, although I would say it was very effective. And two is just having a coach or a friend or someone who is a bit better than this than you and is also able to explain it, the important part, sort of check you out while you interact with people and give real-time feedback. All right, so we go into a common misconception here, which is eye contact. Now, eye contact is good just long enough to see the person's eye colors, though. You don't want to stare into someone's soul that you don't know. Um, it's basically figures a fight or flight response, so dudes are going to want to fight you. Now, there is a place for building tension in a relationship 
uh, especially one that you want to go romantic, but it is not at the start of an interaction. Looking into someone's eyes, even from across the room, is seen as an invasion of that person's personal space. And if you have not earned the right to do so, it's going to be off-putting and creepy. Funnily enough, people that you have been friends with for a long time or a long time romantic partner, you spend a lot of time looking into each other's eyes and there is not a problem there and that's because they've earned the right to do so. In fact, I'll share this story because I thought it was interesting, is that undercover cops get busted, frankly because they're body language is funny, but a lot of it has to do with their eyes because they feel like they have the right because they can arrest people in their normal lives to peer into people's private sort of business and the way that they make eye contact with people that they, that they don't know is not the same as someone who was really walking into a place that they had not been before because you're not mean mugging a shit ton of people that you don't know not unless you're looking for a fight now touch is important when making friends and even a light brief touch between strangers has a lasting effect on how they feel towards each other upper and mid arm touches are safest with people you don't know and this is also while on a date whenever you're meeting someone new i'll always advocate some sort of touch on an opener whenever you get to talking to someone or if you're just you know sitting down and getting into a conversation so a cheers is an easy way to break the touch barrier I was a big fan of high fives. I'd probably still be high fiving now. It's fun to do, so it raises the emotional level, but it gets that touch barrier broken early so we can move on about our days. Now, you want to be careful with touching places you have not earned the right, like hands for an extended period of time outside of a handshake, which is very formal, wouldn't do that on a date, um, can be seen as something that you haven't earned the right to and we've also talked about the touch escalation ladder before, is that you want to start off with neutral sort of light touches. Like if you sit next to someone, your leg on their leg, fine, right? You can do that without it being super obvious. And that breaks the touch barrier and builds comfort. It's not seen as aggressive like a hand on a thigh. Another minor friend signal is mirroring. And you'll see this whenever you have a group of people standing around talking, they all sort of adopt the exact same stance especially if one happens to be the boss the people who are underneath the boss will adopt the stance of the boss now you can use this proactively by basically moving into a posture that mimics the person you are dealing with and like we said before because this is baseline human behavior they're not going to notice that you are doing a thing now you can then test them on the opposite end after you've spent some time with them and this is called matching and leading i think in nlp but you will then go to change your stance just a little bit to see if they follow you after some time if you and some friends have been having a conversation and your arms have been crossed just uncross your arms and give them a few seconds and if they're into the conversation their arms were uncrossed also this lets you know that they are following you people who have a bit of rapport together will basically stand alike. You can, you can notice this once you start people watching and you really know what to look for, uh, that people will do this with each other. Conversely, not mirroring can be seen as a faux signal, even if they don't consciously 
realize that that is what makes them feel uncomfortable about you if you never bother to match the body language a relaxed stance somebody leaning on a wall whatever it may be with another person and a lot of us are going to do this unconsciously but if you haven't had a lot of experience in social settings or you're on some sort of spectrum of some sort and social interactions have been hard for you not mirroring people that you are trying to get to know is going to cause you to have problems in your social interactions and the last one we've all heard this before be a good listener you give people head nods but not so fast that it gives them the feeling that you want them to speed it up but that you are actually listening some ahans i sees right active listening skills basically when it comes down to it the golden rule of friendship make people feel good about themselves and they will like you pretty simple right but a lot of us are walking around out here making people feel stressed at the start of conversations and then wondering why this shit is so hard if you make people feel uncomfortable if they feel worse after they start talking to you then before they're going to attribute that feeling to you and they're just going to leave now all of these things touching mirroring a real smile eye contact to just to the point where you can see what people's eyes look like not scowling if you're trying to make friends the scowl is good if you don't want to make friends all of these things can be learned and practiced until they become habits that you can turn on and turn off and if he's able to do it when talking to a pedophile to get this dude to willingly turn over information on his laptop that's going to put him in jail for life then you can learn how to do it when interacting with your boss so that you get a more favorable review now on next week's episode we are going to pick up where we left off with faux signals or things not to transmit to other people if you are trying to make a friendly connection it doesn't matter if you feel comfortable standing or looking that way we do what's effective eventually you'll feel comfortable smiling in a social situation and things will go better for you and with that i love you be good to each other and i'll see you thank you for hanging out with me on the true masculine project please like rate and subscribe in your favorite podcasting app uh, if you want to interact with the show you can catch us on instagram at true t-r-u-e-m-p underscore podcast see you next time